It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 100 of the Night Talker. That's right, episode number 100. So who better to spend it with than that guy right there? That's Tom McKay, also his daughter Camilla McKay. One final time this summer. It is part seven of seven of our casual Friday chats, occasionally happening on Thursdays, occasionally replaying on Mondays, oftentimes recorded on Wednesdays. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And y'all, I have to admit, as we begin tonight's show, that I'm a little bit sad right now. I have looked forward to our regular conversations. It's usually weekly unless uh, one of the three of us is out of town. Going back Mm. two months at this point, and we don't get to do this anymore after this week because you are going back to school in Boston at Emerson. I am. Yeah, on Saturday. Which I'm sure you're pretty Saturday. excited about too. I'm I'm pretty stoked, but it is going to be weird, like not going home. You know what I mean? Yeah. After a good day, um, and like seeing the same people, but very excited, very excited. I too enjoyed these seven chats. I won't miss her for a while because I'm going with her. I'm <laughs> not. True. I'm not, I'm going Saturday, and I'm not That's coming true. back till the following Tuesday. Oh, sweet! I'm going. I'm just. I'm hanging out in Boston. She doesn't start school till Tuesday the fifth. Do y'all have anything on the plans? By the way, great job, Emerson, not to start until after Labor Day. Yes. I've never understood mm-hmm. starting the Wednesday or Thursday before Labor Day, and then you get the three-day weekend. Just wait a couple of extra yeah, days. Yeah, everyone moves in the first through the third. You get to chill, and yeah. then you start classes. It's so nice. So, so what, nice. Do you, what do y'all have planned in Boston, then, if you're going to be there that long? Sports. <laughs> the Astros are playing the Red Sox in Boston Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, Tuesday, sweet. Wednesday, Thursday. I can't remember which combination it is. And they got the Dodgers the weekend we get there. So it ought to be a pretty good one. Do you have a favorite place to, and I'm asking both of you this, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite place to sit in the ballpark? Is there a place that you sit every time if you can? Yes. Where? Wait. Rick, go ahead. Can I guess? Yes. I think for both, is it both? Right behind the pitcher? Home plate. Home plate, yeah. Sorry, right. not the pitcher, home plate. So we right can watch the pitchers because we can call balls and strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. And I you sit about of... 13 rows up to 20 rows up right behind home plate. So you're just out of TV view then? Yes. In fact, you can see the guy in front of us almost every time you watch a game. Mm. We can lean down. In fact, the last time we were there, I put my hands in front of the guy's face a few times just so I could see it was me. And I watched the replay on ESPN. Is home plate, your uh, or behind home plate, your favorite place to yeah, sit? Yeah, I like it because... Well, because the umpire is just crouching down. And so I'm like, anyone whose job is just to crouch down, I feel like I'm allowed to judge at the same time with them. Yeah. Um. So I do. And <laughs> I do. I do that. <laughs> also, Fenway Park is built in such a way that there's so many seats that are like pointed in the wrong direction and things yeah. like that. So behind home plate, you do have a good view of everything. You're in the shade. Also, if it does happen, the you shade get above 80 is a degrees, big one. Yeah. 80 degrees will be the high temperature while I'm there. Um. And then also, <laughs> like we did actually, we did the right field wall years and years ago. And being as short as I am, I actually made Sports Center highlight of the game because they showed the ground rule double with the guy behind me catching it because I couldn't reach the bounce. I was so short. Mm. And so, yeah, I was, uh, but that was when I decided that I don't have to sit in the outfield anymore because it's just, you can't see the pitches close enough unless you're in, if you're on the green monster, which, 
no, I can't afford those seats. And then, but if, or are those seats that expensive? Oh, they're ridiculous. Yeah, oh. they're more expensive. Three times the price of behind home plate. What? Yeah. And Crawford boxes at Minute Maid Park. Yes, I'll sit in the outfield all day long because those you can call the pitches if you want. You can see what the what the catcher. Well, up until this year, you could see what the catcher was calling. Now they have the little microphones and headsets, so you can't. They don't do their fingers anymore. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Crawford boxes are nice because obviously it is a little bit closer to the action, and you're higher up too. And you're almost guaranteed that there's going to be one home run at least hit near you where you get to dive and fight for it or something. Yeah. yeah. What's the closest? Okay, so I guess it's the uh, the ESPN highlight that you just missed out on the ball. Is the closest? That was a ground rule double, not a home run. Missed okay. missed uh, three or four of them, and Crawford boxes by inches. Got one in the Crawford boxes. And like any time I get a hockey puck or a baseball or anything else, foul ball. Find a kid. Find the closest kid who's been behaving and give it to them. And if there's a kid not behaving, you make sure and point out, this child right here was behaving. That's why you're not getting this. I feel like I just watched two dads like, communicate telepathically because <laughs> I was not going to say that. I thought y'all were going to be like, always, keep it. And I nope, was like, oh, every time a mind. puck flies up in the, Damn. in the stands and we catch him, it's always, everybody around is always give it to a kid. If some guy tries to keep it for himself, we're going to just, Oh, you get booed them. mercilessly oh, the whole night. The exception is, is if you catch a home run ball in the outfield from the opposition and you throw it back, you throw, you can throw it back. You no, don't you have throw to throw it back. It back. If you're not a fan of the home team, you don't have to throw it back. But if you're a fan of the home team, you do throw it back. If you're not a fan of the home team and you don't throw it back, you better get kicked out of the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Ruthless. It's rules of baseball. Okay. Unwritten (laughs) rules of baseball, huh? That should be a written rule. Okay. Camilla, how close have you ever been to either a foul ball, home run, grabbed rule, double, or something? And uh, I'm guessing that you were hiding your face and not actually trying to go after the ball. Yeah. I was going to say the closest I got was getting that little like tiny baseball hat full of ice cream and then keeping that. So I think that's the closest I've ever gotten to like getting a like memorabilia. Um, yeah, that's my story. That's my baseball experience. <laughs> so I have one ball, one foul ball that I was very close to in my life. And we, my brother and I were at uh, AT&T Ballpark in San yeah. Francisco. Have you been to that stadium before? No, I haven't been since they changed the stadium. Dude, it is a beautiful ballpark. Highly recommend it. At least it was 10, 15 years ago. You haven't been ago. to the new Camden. I was at the old Camden Yard. Haven't been to the new one in San Francisco. Been to both Yankee stadiums. Been to Wrigley before and after, and they should have never changed it, by the way. Leave it like Fenway and leave it be the old one. They didn't. Um, well, the problem problem with going to San Francisco now is you have to go to San Francisco. Right. And I would never do that again. So I don't have to worry about seeing that stadium. So. Yeah. San Francisco is unfortunately a colossal hole that is probably past that point of no return. But we were at this game and we were down the left field line, like pretty much parallel to the fair foul pole. And my brother and I were talking before the game, like we're in a pretty good spot where we're going to see some sort of action as, as some dude pulls it a little bit too hard down the line. And we're like, so what are you going to do? Like, are you going to, you know, like, we don't have gloves with this. You're just going to try and barehand it. <laughs> my brother's like, hell yeah, I'm going to barehand it. I'm like, I think I'll break my hands. I'm going to pick my jacket up. You always have to have a jacket with you in San Francisco and try and catch it in my jacket. And then I'm going to find a kid to your point, near us and give it off to the kid. And there was like a little girl sitting like three seats away. I'm like, I'm probably going to give it to that little girl right there. And there was a guy standing next to us. I think mm-hmm. he was maybe a little special needs because he chimed, chimed in. We weren't even asking his so opinion. San Francisco? In San Francisco. Good odds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he just chimes in, oh, I'm going to jump up and catch, uh, I'm just going to let it hit me off the chest. And I'm like, well, 
please don't do that, dude, because that's <laughs> not going to end well for you. Yeah. So sure enough, it was like second or third Stop. inning. Aaron Rowans hits one. It, it, I mean, it skies, but I can see immediately the line that it's on, and it's going to be within at least a couple of seats from us. So I yelled at my brother, here it comes, grab my jacket. And, of course, it was a crowded day game, so it's not like it was just me trying to catch this ball. But the ball, I mean, legitimately would have landed on my seat. So as the ball is coming, I put my hands up and kind of brace myself with the uh, the jacket in my hands, and I feel it hit my hands. And I re- I look down. I'm ready to see that ball and hand it off to the little girl. And I look. It's, it's not in my, my jacket. And I start looking down. I'm like, oh, my God, where is this ball? Now I have to get this ball to, yeah. uh, to show it up on television. And I look down, look all around. Nobody has it. And I look down. And that little f- girl had the ball. I didn't even get the glory of giving the little girl the ball. She actually got it on her own. Congratulations to her. Uh, isn't that amazing? He, he says that he's going to give it to the girl. She actually does her job and gets the ball. And then he has to whine that he didn't get the glory. The glory <laughs> of the getting he a wanted, foul he ball. He wanted to be on the MOV, like on the, on the TV station. I'm on, be like, oh, look I've at that been man. on SportsCenter one time and it's for being too short to catch a ball. And then... <laughs> He's worried about not seeing himself catch a foul ball. Look, I was ready to posture for the cameras. I mean, it was going to be one of those, hold the ball up, give the ball yeah. to the girl, and give like a big thumbs up in the direction of the cameras. But no, you know when you graduate and you shake the principal's hand and you just stare at the camera? Yeah. And like, it would have been that moment. You both would have just shook hands and like smiled at the camera. I did. went to get my so diploma good. and they told me, just sit down, you're not making a speech. <laughs> <laughs> That's and you, no like, lie. Off. <laughs> no oh, lie. Hold no on. Lie. We may need to talk a little bit more about that on the other side. We're already through one segment. Three more segments to go here on a casual Friday on the Night Talker. Hanging out with the McKays, Tom, and Camilla. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back on the Night Talker. It is a casual Friday and the seventh and final chat with the McKays. It's just going to go ahead and call it a summer series. We've done this six other times now. This is number seven. It is episode number 100 of this show. I think that's very fitting. And we'd probably be doing this weekly going forward if Camilla didn't live in freaking Boston, but she does. She's going to school at Emerson, going to go on to accomplish great things after she gets her degree while she's pursuing that degree too, no doubt. And Tom's going to be up there with her for a little bit more than a week. But we do get to do this one final time. Uh, Last segment, uh, we did talk a little foul balls and Tom gave us uh, an unintentional preview having to do with his high school graduation. So what exactly happened to the high school graduation and how in the hell did you end up with a, an award named after you at Jesuit up well, it's in It's not Dallas? named after me. It's, it's not the McKay Award. It's the, school, the Jesuit School Loyalty Award. Okay. And, and you were the shout out to one guy who I know has been listening because he actually asked on Facebook how he can listen to all the past episodes, John Regan, who was the co-recipient of this award. He came from the Bronx the sophomore year. I came from Chicago the sophomore year. We moved into Dallas to Jesuit College Prep. Jesuit College Prep. We were preppies. And yeah, drunk preppies. 
Oh my but, God, was it like Dead Poet Society? It was worse. Oh. We even had the suits. We, we did. We had the jackets. We had the ties. And we even had some teachers who kind of acted like Robin Williams, actually. Oh, times. oh, yeah, we did. And Brother Rivette was awesome, who out there in the pottery barn. And so you go out to the barn detached and you could do whatever you want. Oh, it's not the them. store. It's an yeah. actual barn that pottery, you pottery. So we, you know, make spittoons and beer mugs and stuff like that. Yeah, John Regan and I actually were the first recipients of that we were award i think it was primarily because we led and wrote most of the cheers and led the road trip society to all the drunken festivities at all the games of every sport that we Mm -hmm. weren't playing in he was a basketball player tallest kid in the school i was a swimmer shortest kid in the school so we were a great combination and we're still good friends still see him up he lives in dallas we still go to hockey games together every once in a while and stuff like that Shout That's out cool. to you, John. Big boy. Okay, so like we're at graduation and they go. At graduation. They go, they go Thomas, and we did, Charles, McKay. We certainly did not expect to get Charles. an award. Yes. Mm. Chuck. I think you would have made a good Chuck. Yeah, my dad's nickname was Chuckles. Mm. The uh, Chuckles and Pat. But no, it was funny. We were sitting there and people were saying, you know, McKay, you're going to get the Ranger Hardware. I said, guys, they can't give me an award. I've been suspended five, seven times. You know, it's just, they can't do it. And so they went through all the awards and then they started a big speech about loyalty and the Jesuit, you know, Jesuit heart and all this kind of stuff. And and then they said, so the initial recipients of the Jesuit Loyalty Award are John Regan and Tom McKay. And we both just kind of looked at each other like, I can't believe they're doing this. And we walked up to go there and everybody started yelling for a speech. And you get, you know, the, the bishop shakes your hand because this is a very Catholic school. And so the bishop shakes your hand. And then well, the, it's not that Catholic because otherwise the bishop might be doing something else Stop to it. Stop <laughs> it. The, um, yeah, we, we, we don't need to go there. The, uh, <laughs> Father Coke, who was the president of the school, shakes your hand. Glad I finally made him uncomfortable for the first time and, in our life. And then Michael Earsing, who is the vice principal in charge of discipline, was the next person in line. And he shook my hand and everybody was yelling for a speech because I was very, very vocal. And that's one reason why I know that they were giving me that award, quite frankly. And he just he leaned into me and he, you're going to get to bleep this, too, because he actually did cuss me. He said, he said, McKay, I don't want a word. Sit your ass down. I don't oh, know I'm not that, you don't that. have to bleep that. I'm not bleeping that one. That was from the ass. vice principal yeah. of the school, and he just, bam, sit down. And so I figured I better sit down. I can't do a speech. So, yep, that was how I got Why my- Why could you not do a speech? Because he probably would have taken my diploma back Were and expelled you, me on the spot. Did you pull up to graduation intoxicated? I was intoxicated the entire time I was at Got graduation. it, got it. Yeah, there was no question about it. Started at 5 a.m. at swim practice just about every day. Y- y- you have a really good memory. Is there something that you had in mind to say? Had you actually opened your mouth? And I was just going to do our favorite cheer, which is that was one we used to, we used to stand up in front of the crowd. John and I came up with a cheer and we would stand up. The cheerleaders couldn't get people going. So they would ask us to get the crowd going at like a football game. And we could stand up and say, everybody up on three and you go one, two, three, and the whole crowd would stand up. And then we would say Jesuit once on three. And then everybody, one, two, three, and everybody, Jesuit once, Jesuit twice, holy jumping, Jesus Christ, bim, bam, God, rah, rah. Isn't that so good? Best high school cheer I think I've ever heard. Right, rah, rah. That is our our cheer. Come on. That is so good. We had others, but that was our biggest one, and we would usually do that one. So I figured we'd just do that cheer because everybody would have cheered along with me. God, isn't it funny how you're only a little bit more than a year removed now, but I'm yeah. sure you even feel this because even a single year in college is just incredible for that exponential growth. Just how ignorant we all, all were at the end of high school, despite the fact that we felt like we knew a decent amount. We knew nothing at that point in time, or at least I didn't. There's times when I honestly, honestly feel like I have grown zero 
since high school. Mm. And there's times that when it comes into like fiscal management, things like that, business management or other things, I feel like I've grown incredibly, obviously, but I started my first business while I was in school. So in high school. So you, you know, I've always been working on that as far as like the social maturity, Mm -hmm. a good portion of the time. I don't think I've changed at all. And I'm told that quite regularly how immature I am in social situations. And I get it. And it's, it's not that that's a, it's not like a choice. It's why would I change if I was having fun doing it then? I can still have fun doing it now. Well, there's something to be said, and tell me if you agree with this, mm. Camilla. There's something to be said about growing up but not taking life too seriously, even as you are getting into the throes of adulthood and the inevitable responsibility that comes with that, to still have a sense of humor about things and not let, not sweat the bullshit essentially well the yeah. grumpy old man thing is one thing that definitely changes a lot of those because i truly have be grown into very as she had she was the kid was stuck with me almost all day in the car today and i'm sure she was ready to just jump out no at some i always point. say that my dad's a robot and he doesn't have an on and off switch he has a grumpy funny switch like <laughs> today was he's very either, he's grumpy. either one or the other like you don't know what you're gonna get with him but it's either grumpy or funny usually it's, it's sometimes both actually but it's good it's good do you have the grumpy switch Oh, absolutely. You do. Absolutely. Okay. He's like, okay, no, one time. Okay, sometimes, here, this is how bad my nafs got this summer. We would like get home at 2 p.m. And he'd be like, do you want it? And I go, no. And I'd be like, I have to go take a nap. Like I turned into a toddler over the summer. And he was like, you're so mean. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like we have, we like have fights in the kitchen. Um, but my like grumpy side comes out um, when. Is it a hanger thing? Hangry? No, no, no. Like, okay. nah, it's more of a t- like sleepy thing most of the time. Mm. But like my actual like grumpy side comes out when people that I love get disrespected because mm-hmm. like people mm-hmm. don't disrespect me. Cause I come across very like, don't, don't like, sorry, but like, don't f- with me. Like I do give yeah. off that kind of energy when yeah. I like meet people just out of like respect and stuff. But when people start like hurting my friends or taking advantage of like stuff that they're like vulnerable about, that's when I get like really defensive, I guess, and protective. Mm. Um, so I'm that's start when, saying how much like it, if you keep, so that's like when it. I get grumpy. Yeah. But okay. What did you just say, Tom? I said, I'm going to start telling her how much like it every time she says like. She said like a whole bunch. I used to do that to her all the time. But she she picked it back up here this summer. She starts saying like, 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 like a teenage girl. Oh my God, that's almost like I am a teenage girl. That's crazy. How much like it? That one. Okay. <laughs> I'll just shut up. No, you keep talking. We're good. I'm just messing with her. No, I, I'm, I'm just sitting back and watching the uh, the father-daughter interaction here. There's, oh, yeah. it's, she doesn't say, uh, I can't think of some of the words that all these kids use way too much. Slay. Uh, yes, but that's not one. I'm talking about like when they, uh, literally, when people say literally, <laughs> that makes, well, duh, you're saying it. It's, it's literal. I had to correct myself today. I was talking to somebody and I said, literally, and then I said, nope, you know what? This is actually figurative. <laughs> I apologize for saying literally because it wasn't going to be literal. And that is a big pet peeve just of say mine. It and you don't even have to say anything, though. You don't have to say literal or figurative. Just say what you're saying. That's mine. Just, you know, literal. Or do you want the truth? Oh, my freaking God. Did I ask you the question or not? Yeah, no, I want you to lie to me, ass. Come on. Well, oftentimes, and this isn't always the case, by the way, because I do find myself saying this sometimes and I am telling the truth. But oftentimes, somebody will say truthfully or honestly, and then go on to tell you a lie. Like it can be a tell depending yes. on the individual. Yes, agreed. Oh, if somebody's if I ask somebody a question, like, you want the truth? I usually just tell them I don't care, and I walk away. Because why are you even, why are you talking? 
Just shut up. Just tell me the damn answer. It's a yes or no question. So I don't know how much goal setting you're doing heading into your sophomore year at Emerson. Are you technically a junior at this point? I know no, you have no, a no, bunch I'm, of. I'm a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how much goal setting you're doing, but considering mm-hmm. this is going to be the last time we chat for a little bit, do yeah. you have goals for this upcoming school year? Yeah, absolutely. I um I want to be I want to be working um and mm. I, whether that's at like a fitness studio or a dance studio or student employment at the rec center. I want to do something kind of in that ballpark. Um, cause you did Duncan as a freshman just to get the free coffee, right? Yeah. Cause I was, I've already been a barista. So I went and worked at Duncan for a little bit. And, uh, and by the way, talk about a rite of passage in Boston of all places. Yeah. America runs on Duncan. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. I worked at a Duncan location in the train station. Like it was in the T oh, station. Man. So seeing all these grumpy, like, grumpy people come every single morning. I want my coffee. Like it was so weird. There's a Duncan on every block there. It is unbelievable. Some blocks there's two. That's crazy. Yeah. It's more frequent than Starbucks for sure. But the, uh, working in a dance studio is to more, uh, to more, more to do something that is not only enjoyable, but may also help you professionally down the road too. Yes. Yes. Um, just give me experience working in those kind of spaces too, so that sure. I'm more familiar with them. If I ever get hired again to work there, I can easily adapt. Mm. Um, and yeah, just to also get my name out there a little bit more exposure is always great because networking is so hard for me because fun fact, I hate people. Um, I'm such an introvert. <laughs> like I could like be a hermit crab and live alone. Well, she's finally a member of the party, Tom. There you no, go. People, I, the no, people, I, it only took her 19 no, years I've to figure it out. It took me though. 35. I've been saying this though. I just, my social battery is so little for so yeah. many people, but when I'm working, it's, it's work, you know? So I'm on, yeah. so it's good. I can do that. That's fine. Yeah. It's more transactional and you understand exactly what the interaction needs to be to get the job done yes. too, right? Yes. I'm not like, I'm not thinking how far can I go or how genuine yeah. are you being right now? Yeah. Cause it's just my job. And I'm like, okay, cool. You also said you're auditioning for a bunch of shows. I am. Yeah, yeah. I hold that thought. We're up on another commercial break. We're going to talk about that coming up on the other side. Camilla McKay, Tom McKay hanging out with me on another casual Friday of the Night Talker. This is part seven of seven of our summertime chats, and there's more coming up next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back on a casual Friday here on the Night Talker. We're about to find out, Camilla. I am here with Tom and Camilla McKay. It is part seven of our summer chat series. They have mostly joined me on these casual Friday shows. And we get to do it one more time before Camilla goes back to school. She is about to start her sophomore year at Emerson in Boston. I'm bummed about that. I know Papa's going to be a little bit bummed about that, too, even though he's going to hang out with her in Boston for like a week and a half before school actually starts back up. But when he comes back here solo, I uh, completely understand if there's a little bit of sadness in that big heart of his, even if he uh, is trying to play it off right now. But I wanted to shift from what you're going to be doing as a sophomore, Camilla, into uh, something a little bit more philosophical, because at the end of last week's show, yeah. I gave each of y'all a gift Uh, Tom, you got a, uh, an actual record. I don't 
remember the last Toadies. time I bought a record, but Toadie's Rubberneck, which is one of my all-time favorite albums. If I had to pick five albums that are a part of my lifetime soundtrack, that is definitely the album of my uh, latter high school years. And then Camilla, I got you a couple of books. One mm-hmm. is Brave New World, which is my all-time favorite book. And then also Meditations, which yes. is a book that I've been interested in reading for a long time. I bought two copies because I knew you were interested in philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've both gone through uh, at least parts of it. I have not finished it just yet. I'm going to be honest with you there, yeah. but I've gotten about halfway through. So okay. I do want to hear your thoughts on Rubberneck, assuming that you have listened to that album. I have not. Okay. I have actually not listened to an album at home all week since we were here last. And the only night I would have been able to was Sunday when uh, we had the welcome home dinner with Brad Kellner. Good, then we won't even worry about that. Yeah, I hear y'all had a great meal at Perry's too, by the way. Scrumptious. So I wanted to get your impressions because you had mentioned stoicism to me a couple weeks ago, which is what triggered the idea to go along with the other book. And so uh, what what are your thoughts? However far you're through, I'm about halfway through it at this point. Yeah, I'm on, I think, book eight. So it's, I think there's like 12 or something. Uh So I'm, I'm getting there. I'm close to being done. And by the way, this is Marcus Aurelius' Meditations. A lot of people consider him to be a sort of godfather of Stoicism, which has seen a huge increase in popularity over the last 10 years, thanks to guys like Ryan Holiday, who is now a uh, Bashdrop resident, as a matter of fact. He owns a bookstore and uh, does a bunch of stuff online out Mm -hmm. in the Bashdrop area. Yeah, something I didn't realize was how long ago his thoughts were written, but how much they kind of apply to today. Yeah. Like I was, was, especially all his stuff about there are two ways to handle people. You can either um, instruct them or endure them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was one of the things that hit the most because this whole argument basically is on everyone having the same piece of divinity that connects to the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And so we should all be acting in favor of one another kind of. So hearing him doubt any form of evil and violence, but then also have such a cynical view of just life in general was really weird, I think. Yeah, there's there's an interesting paradox at play throughout that book because yeah. he'll float one idea and you're like, I don't know if I completely agree with that. And then it's like he has evolved his thinking a little bit in a later book yeah. and he states the complete opposite. Yeah. Like at one point he's like, you, need, you, you are going to care more about yourself, so you need to care more about other people than you do yourself. Yeah. And then he's like, don't care about other people exactly. at all. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, there is no good and evil. And then he's like, there is good and evil. Like he yeah. goes back and forth. And another one that he does a lot is um, the mind and body connection. Like mm-hmm. he always, he, he'll talk badly. You're just a pile of flesh. Your body means nothing. And then he'll say, you have to take care of your body. It's what nurtures your soul. <laughs> but I, I guess that's kind of what makes him more of a human than philosopher because it is just a journal of yeah. his. So it, it does prove that even back in those kind of times, 200 AD, like people were still evolving thoughts and stuff. And it shows that since the beginning of time, people have thought one thing and been able to totally change their mind. There's a bit of a fatalism uh, fatalism to it that I did not realize because he's like, your life is a river. If you blink, your life is gone. Yes, it's down the yes. river. I'm like, whoa, dude. Okay, yes. all right, let's it's, take a breath here. But so cynical. I think it is also making sure to put everything in perspective to get you to not necessarily not show emotions over things, but it's not to dwell on those emotions for too long. And that has become a big problem in modern times. And I'm not going to throw your generation under the bus here. This is a human issue right now where our feelings have been emphasized to such a degree that people are starting to allow themselves to be defined only by their feelings versus their response to whatever that strong feeling may be, whether it's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. Well, his whole argument 
Yeah. I'm listening. You I'm would listening. appreciate all of his arguments about, he, he literally says at one point in his book, he says, you have to choose to be um, offended. He goes, people can't offend you. You choose to be offended. Yep. And I said, oh, where have I heard that before? Literally where, my dad every day. Where do you think I heard that before? I went to Jesuit. We read, yeah, we read but, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, mm. but still. I but just, no, it's, yeah. these, it's a good, it's good philosophy on a lot of things. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm one of those, unfortunately for a lot of people that think that they have an opinion that would matter to me, uh, my thought is how do you have time to worry about anything but what you're doing in your life anymore? So, I mean, if you're not busy enough where you don't have to care about all this other stuff going on, you're not busy enough. Just get busy. That, that's my thought now. So, yeah, I'm not trying to tell you guys not to study it and listen to it and believe it. But my philosophy at this point in life is I just want to do whatever I'm doing. I really, really do not care what everybody else is doing anymore. You know who would agree with you on that? Marcus Aurelius. Well he aware. Says very, very similar things. Well say, aware. They literally speak, the, they speak fact, the same way. She can tell you that majority of my life thinkings are in that book. Is that right? It's very, yes. I was reading huh. it the whole time just thinking. That makes sense. This sounds like that my tracks. dad. God, there was a part in this That was book. in 1980 that I read that. So that's 20, 40, 43 years ago I read that book. There's, it stuck with me hard enough that it, at 59, almost 60 years old, I'm living that book. So yeah, that's a great book. I'm not going to tell you. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just sitting back laughing that it's like a revelation to the little one here who's been hearing me say it for 20 years of her life. Yeah, I'm glad to he see you get that amusement. I saw that right there. And wait a second, did I just say something funny? But it's the fact that it's setting in in her brain right now. And the now, fact and that she's, she's realizing she's heard all this before is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and so, I, I mean, she actually heard me at least. Well, and I relate it to, because he talks about living in the presence, like you said, but I feel like, especially in my generation, the present is about keeping updated on what's going on around you. So not so much as it's, it's, it's the present is being a follower, not being independent like the present revolves around knowing what everyone else is doing that's what your present is 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 trying to figure out who's doing what and it's not about living your own life anymore as much because every time I open Instagram I'm not trying to improve my life at all I'm trying to see what everyone else is doing and that's all I do and comparing yourself to others too exactly. back to that competition thing that you talked about may, may have been episode one or two yes. that you were talking yeah, cooperation about that. versus competition yes yep. but what yes. is Marcus Aurelius telling you to do yeah, he says focus on the present. Don't is that focus not, on you. Focus on yeah. the present and focus on you and don't right. care what other people think is what his thinking evolves to. Earlier in the book, it's something different, but then it's like you need to not care what anybody else says or thinks about you. It only matters what you think about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like Absolutely. rocket science. It's just rocket science. There, there is a little bit of a, a gray area there, though. because There's the a gray area in everything, though. The, there is the not, I've been the first to say always, nothing is black and white. Right. And if you don't live in that, I, my, in fact, one of my, I felt one of my better poems I ever wrote, one of the biggest lines was, I live my life in the half-tone shades of gray. I think that's the, like that a lot. That's one of the greatest lines that if I could say that I wrote a great line. That was one of the greatest lines I ever wrote, in my opinion. And I know it. That, cause that's say, that, say that again, please. I live my life in the half-tone shades of gray. Do you not have a t-shirt that says that? That's an incredible <laughs> quote there. Because what you want to do is you want you always have to be able to look at things and realize not everybody's going to agree with you first off. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. You don't have to agree with me. So what I do, and, and she will attest, you being around me as much as you have will probably attest, the majority of questions I ask are yes or no questions. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear anything. I make other people get to the black and white. Because I don't want to hear their gray. I'm already in my own gray. I'm just making you filter out what I don't want to hear. Mm. So almost everything I ask is a yes or no or a three or four. It's, there's no, 
I want an explanation. If I ask a question and it's a yes or no question, they go, well, no, done, stop. This is yes or no. You can't start with well. Yes or no. One syllable, please. And then they look at me like I'm an ass. And that's fine. I don't mind. But that's where I'm going to be. But some things need to be binary, though, to your point. Even though a gray area almost always does exist, sometimes you do need that simple yes or no and not necessarily haggling back and forth. That's something that I am working hard with my soon-to-be nine-year-old right now, my daughter, who is too smart for her own good. Reminds me a little bit of you. So I'm, uh, <laughs> we were, I'm, Me and her were going over multiplication tables the other the last week, and uh, it was impressive. I, I mean, look, unfortunately, best. public school has slowed her down a little bit. The oh. Montessori school that she was a part of did a really good job. And part of that is that it was self-taught and she's really bright and picks things up quickly, mm-hmm. but she's always, and she gets this from me and <laughs> I, I guess it's payback for what I put my mom and my parents through too. She is always looking to haggle and gain a little bit more of an advantage with whatever is going on in the conversation versus just saying yes or no. And we can move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And part of that, because she is, you know, she's eight right now. She's almost nine and she's very emotionally immature. So if she, it's not, if that yes or no is not going her way, then it's mm. not the end of the world necessarily, but it, uh, we're, we may enter meltdown territory at some point. If she can't catch herself and do the, uh, four, seven, eight breathing, which she has a hard time with. Her dad still has a hard time with it. So I'm certainly not blaming her for that one. My but, favorite, uh, my favorite with the kid is whenever I get, whenever she gets really angry with me because we're having a heated discussion, she'll go, she'll just look at me and she goes, well, you just don't listen at all. And then she'll just shut me off. Done. She's done with the conversation. She'll turn her head away from me. And I just think it's the funniest thing because I'm like, we were kind of having a conversation, but I guess since I'm not listening to your facts, that are your opinion, I don't have to be talked to anymore. I don't anymore. think that's true at all. I th- <laughs> let's, see, let's hear it. Come on. Get off let's me. No hear comment. It. No, no comment. There we go. See, do, there it is. Do, are there times that he doesn't listen? Yes. This, today, we were in the kitchen, and I looked at you and went, hey, I filmed this audition today. Do you want to help me pick out which video? And I looked over at you, and you were just staring at your phone, texting people back. And so I just stood there in the kitchen for about a full minute, and I went, okay. And then I walked downstairs, and you never even said anything. I don't remember her saying that. <laughs> So, uh, yep, that was today. That was literally four hours ago. So, See? thank you. Didn't hear. Well, you know what? I guess so we have. don't listen. Exhibit <laughs> I, A. I never claimed honor. I listen all the time. All right. Let's go. We are through. We're good. Se- we are through segment three now. One more segment to go. I do have a philosophical question that I want to ask the two of you on the other side. It is a casual Friday on the Night Talker, hanging out with Tom and Camilla McKay here on 1027 ESPN. Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellen. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellen. Final segment here on a casual Friday of the Night Talker, and it is the last of a seven part conversation with my friends Camilla and Tom McKay. Tom is dad, Camilla is daughter, and I finally, seven episodes in, got them bickering and arguing, and uh, at least one of them upset with the other, and uh, we calmed down. It happens every day. During the full commercial. I know, that's why I'm upset with myself. I pride myself as a pretty good conversationalist, (laughs) and I've been trying hard for what is going on seven hours now. We We actually actually like hanging out, but we, we fight a good portion of the time we hang out. 
I think there's something healthy to that. There's also something unhealthy about that too. If it happens too much back to the yeah. whole gray area thing, but she hasn't punched me in a long time and she owes me 18 slug bugs right now. She's piling them up. I on do. Me. So I can literally we play real slug bug too. We I hit want. hard and she owes, she, she's got 18 piled up on me. If you see an actual VW bug. Yeah. Hmm. I have 18. How are you going to pay those back? She'll punch the heck out of me one day. Oh, you know. we're about to ride home. Punch my shoulder here. I've got a no, I've got dude. A we've gone black and blues Trey, before. No, Trey. we've both gone black like and blues. He taught me. Like he was like, "No, Camilla, when you do it, your fist should be like this, oh. and then you aim for this part of the arm." Oh yeah, she like, gets you right I on know the muscle. How to punch no, people. she Ooh. recoils. She does the whole thing. Okay, I think I'll pass <laughs> on that one. All right, I did want to ask y'all, even though this may not be the final thing that we talk about here, we'll see. I wanted to ask y'all a philosophical question that I came across the other day. It was during. Mm-hmm. An interview where uh, Andrew Huberman was uh, was interviewing Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss is another one of those guys who got stoicism uh, back on the map over the mm. last uh, half decade to decade. And uh, Tim Ferriss brought up this Voltaire quote. And the quote is, judge a person not by their answers, but by their questions. Asking yourself questions is extremely important for personal growth. So for each of you, and I don't really care who goes first here, what is a question that you may be pondering more than the others right now? What question am I pondering more than the others or which question am I pondering more than I'm pondering the other people? Uh, Which question are you pondering the most right now? Question am I pondering the most right now? That's a good question. I'm going to think about it for a second. Um, I think my question is what does success look like to me? Mm. Because I think being in college and wanting to do things that progress my career, it's always a thought of, Oh, I need to do this. And then I always think, but why am I doing it? Who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for myself? And then if I'm doing it for myself, am I prioritizing the right thing or am I prioritizing the wrong thing and I should be listening to someone else. So it's kind of always a, like we were talking about with gray areas, there's always um, a bunch of questions going on, but yeah, right now a lot of the question I ask myself is, is this making me happy? Cause I think it's, there's a lot of, you know, that book, the, what's it called? The dopamine, whatever it is. Dopamine nation. Dopamine. Yeah. Dopamine nation. Yeah. Yeah. It's got me questioning a lot recently about, what makes me happy, you know? I interviewed Anna Limbeck, the uh, the author. Yeah. It was a fascinating book and an, I think an interesting conversation too. That's but yeah, awesome. it's it's crazy uh, how much dopamine and that rush. A lot of people think of it as a response to rewards. It's actually something that, uh, that happens prior to. It's an anticipatory thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting to, to think about where that is happening in each of our own lives too, yeah. for sure. What do you think success is, Tom? Success? Yeah. I think success is being able to do what you want to do with who you want to do it when you want to do it. So it's a very similar definition to the happiness question that we talked about yes. two months ago. Well, happiness is success. If I like that. If, if, if I'm happy, I'm successful. If I'm successful, I'm happy. So give that definition one more time. God, you are such a poet. It's it's being able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, with who you want to do it with. Yeah. My definition of happiness and perhaps as a default success is something along those lines. It's a little bit tweaked though. It's going through life's highs and lows with those that you care about the most. Mm. That includes family. That includes friends. Because the reality is, even for the most optimistic person out there, everybody goes through good and bad. 
You know, the weird thing is I've actually tried a lot over the years. I know, I don't know if it sounds selfish or stupid or what, but when I hear myself say it and I do say it to myself is when there's something going wrong or there's something not, you know, something that I'm not happy about really. Um, other than the unfortunate young one sitting next to me who has to hear about it too often because she's the one close to right. me at the time, but not meaning it to be that way. So a lot of times I have to look and I, a lot of times I actually apologize to her at the end of the day. with sorry I was such an ass today or whatever, but it's, you know, mine is I'd rather keep anything that is not good, something that's not going right or anything else to myself. Um, that's hard. Though. I don't want, yeah. well, mine is that I've, i I feel like I've had, I've been given, not given, I've earned whatever you want to call it so much and been granted so many capabilities to do things in this world that it almost seems selfish to me to burden somebody who probably doesn't have those same abilities with something as minute as what I'm going to consider a problem of mine. Um, Cause I really don't have problem problems that a lot of people have. Right. And I mean, if it's a medical problem, my doctor knows about it. I tell my wife about it. That's enough. Um, nobody else has to know about it and that kind of thing. I mean, everybody, unfortunately, listening to this show has heard a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. But that's because it was asked. Um, I would have never just, you know, in public go out and tell people what's going no, on. No, you're forthright. And I and, did and, ask a specific yeah, question. But it about is that. a, uh, no, I don't, I don't feel like I ever have to share any of the bad stuff with people because I would rather, even though I'm, and I'm well versed in the fact that I am kind of an ass, but that is usually in fun and usually to push people away mm. so that, because there's very few people I want close to me. There really is. I mean, I've always been the one to say, if you have five friends, you probably have three too many because you can't have that many friends. It's just, you don't have time for them because I think they should have all the time that you want. Well, I also like my time alone. So I'm really, really got to limit who I'm going to be around because I really want my private time. And that's really important to me. And so, yeah, whenever, so to say it's something negative now, but at the same time, you want to always be there for everybody in like the charitable sense. Yeah. And so it's a, it's kind of a weird line, but that's what I do. So I'd rather not be known for a lot of that also. Because then they want to talk to you. And I, I'm t- I don't have time for you, necessarily. I'm not trying to be mean about it. I just don't have time. Because you're living in the present. Yes. Bingo. Tying it all together. Now, it's interesting because you don't want to, let's call it what it is, bitch to people about too much stuff. Because then you come across as a, a very negative person. That's something that I struggle with on a daily basis. But you also have to find a constructive way to get that negative energy out, too. I was just about to say, you do have to, like, talk about it though whether it's with one person or someone else because then what happens if is you kind of like hold it in and then you hold it in so much that you don't have the room to take in anyone else's so then when someone else comes up to you your instant response is why are you doing that why are you talking to me about this why i don't care blah blah blah. because you're holding so much in that you can't sympathize and take that in so you don't have the patience for them that's true but i also don't need a bouncing board a lot of the times like if if, and she is four floors below me at the house. So she doesn't hear a lot of what goes on on the fourth floor. But mm. if, if there's something going on, there's many a time where I've just decided I'm going to yell at myself or I'm going to do something and I'm going to talk it out. I can talk to myself. I can talk out my own problems and it's not a That's problem good. for me because I have, I can be two people at the same time. In my opinion, I can be the bouncing board for myself without having to burden somebody else with it. And that way the honest truth is, and this is the ultimate selfish individual. I always get the right answer. Um, well, you know what? And whose opinion matters the most? 
when you're talking about Tom McKay, Tom McKay's opinion matters the most. That's the way I, I mean, if, I think awesome. everybody can do whatever they need to do to make themselves feel good. I really feel good. Um, the very, very, very large majority of the time. I feel like some of the ways that I hear about people talking, uh, discussing constructively getting that negative energy out is through things like journaling, meditation, mm-hmm. working out can help do that too. Uh, but uh, we're not going to talk any more about that. We've got about two minutes left here, yeah. Tom. Real quick, because I, unless I just missed it, what is the question that you're pondering? We're not yes. going to have a long conversation about it, but we do have to. Uh, we do have to hear that. What is we your go. pondering? When question. when should I when should I retire? When should I call it a day? Mm, that's work. your current one. Not not kill myself. When should I just quit working? <laughs> Whoa, that just when, ramped when up. should I just quit working? What's your answer right now? Right now, sixty five, five years. But what's your answer for him, Camilla? I think whenever you find another passion project, that's a good. But point. I have them all the time. That's the problem. I just I, I think I, my second, only I think real the fear. You find one that you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what only, is something that you could pivot to if you were to stop AV? Oh, almost anything in the world, seriously. Really? Yeah, but I think it would have to, at this point, it would have to involve assisting youth. Really? It would have to involve helping children. My kids love you. That makes complete sense. Because even though my child hates kids because she she (laughs) all the bad parts of me throughout her life, I absolutely love kids. Kids and dogs make the world go round. Adults, screw you. I think dogs make the world go round. Look, it depends on the dog, y'all. <laughs> Are you thinking about Charlie? There's no yeah, Charlie good- who's three-legged, by the way, right now. He either tore he a ligament or hurt a paw oh. or a bone or something. So not only is he worthless, but now he's a worthless three-legged dog. There's and- no bad dog and no bad child and until the master or parent makes souls. it happen. That is on animals don't have souls. Amen. <laughs> well, the question that I'm asking myself right now <laughs> is what the f- am I going to do weekly uh, if I'm not going to be talking to y'all for 45 minutes, what turns into an hour of content on this show. We'll help, we'll help you with a plan. Every night. Thank right. you uh, so much to you both. Camilla, Thank you. good luck with the start of the semester. Thank Can't you. wait to see you when you come home at some point. Yes, and uh, Tom, enjoy yourself in Boston for a week and a half, okay? Done. Done. As a great man once said, I live my life in the half-tone shades of gray. I am Trey Elling. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, have yourselves a fantastic weekend and... Sweet dreams! Proving good things do happen on the radio after 10 p.m. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling.